The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, The Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, hello everyone. Great to have you on board the Business Locker Room Show. Another great show lined up for you this week. It is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. I guarantee you, if you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, you name it, maybe you just have an interest in marketing or social media or business strategy, you're an entrepreneur, the Business Locker Room is definitely the show for you. I like to think of it as the fusion of the collective wisdom in the real world, where we bring guests on who talk about what is really going on out there in terms of the real business world. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can find me online, of course, at the website, bizlockerroom.com. Check us out there, and you can find recaps of our shows, previews of upcoming shows, and, of course, uh, the blog posts that I write as well. I want to encourage you to go there. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. And you're always welcome to send an email, something about the show, maybe a guest that you'd like to hear on the show, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at bizlockerroom.com. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you this week. You may recall, if you're a longtime listener, a while back we had on T.A. McCann, or actually, I I spoke with T.A. after the show. We actually talked about his company, Rival IQ, and I was introduced to T.A. McCann by Miles Austin, who will be along later in the X's and O's segment, and we'll talk about another one of those tools that he's always tracking down for us, but in this particular week, we had been talking about Rival IQ, absolutely fantastic tool. I met T.A., talked to him on the phone, had a great conversation, and asked him to be a part of the show, and he is going to join us after the first break, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but he is the prototypical entrepreneur, startup guy, uh, founded Gist.com, a social address book that sold to BlackBerry, I'm sure for a small fortune, started Rival IQ. He is also on the board currently of Full Contact and some other firms, and he is a very active angel investor as well, a number of startup ventures that he's a part of. So he's that guy, and I want to get his perspective on startups and the teams it takes to be successful and what makes a good startup, what can go wrong. If you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson, this is going to be a show you want to listen to. I'm sure we'll get a lot of guidance from T.A. and also talk a little bit about his background, which is pretty remarkable. T.A. was actually a professional sailor, competed in a couple of America's Cups, won one and lost one. 
So in, in soccer lingo, he, you know, he, I guess he progressed to the next round out of the group. I, I, I can't figure it out. You can, you can tie and it can be bad in soccer. You can lose and it can be good in soccer. And I love it. I love soccer. I had a great time with the World Cup and still enjoying it. But we'll talk about America's Cup. And I can tell you for a fact, I know a little bit about the World Cup. I know practically nothing about the America's Cup. So I want to have that conversation as well. Mentioned that we'll have Miles Austin along. And you want to jump in on this deal because we're going to talk about a couple of interesting tools. Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, Zapier, uh, probably not not something you've heard of unless you're just out there on the on the edge with Miles, whereupon you probably don't need to listen anyway, but the vast majority of us do. And it compares uh, very favorably to a product called IFTTT, which is short for if this, then that. And we'll talk about how those tools can make us more productive as salespeople, as business people, as entrepreneurs. It's, it's just going to be a fantastic show. And we'll get all of our interviews started after the first break. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about an article that I saw this week uh, in, in the Daily Intelligencer from New York. And this was written by, I'm going to guess that his last name is Leach or Leitch, L-E-I-T-C-H, Will Leach or Leitch. Don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. It was written on the 28th of June. But the headline that got my attention is Billy Bean's Ascendant A's are playing a brand new brand of Moneyball. You may have seen the movie Moneyball, which was based on the 2003 Michael Lewis book of the same name, Moneyball. Of course, uh, featured Brad Pitt as the lead character. He played Billy Bean, general manager of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Just a fantastic movie, I thought, and certainly a lot of great illustrations for people like me. Uh, and the, the real illustration is, as the movie starts back in 2001, uh, Billy Bean's A's have won 102 baseball games, and they're in the first round of the playoffs against the New York Yankees, and they're playing the fifth game of the first round, uh, the, the rubber game of the matches. It turns out the A's had won the first two, and they had given up the second two to the Yankees and played the final game and lost. But the, the interesting thing in the storyline behind the movie and the book, of course, is that the Oakland Athletics are playing in an unlevel playing field. Their, their particular payroll at the time was in the neighborhood of, um, I, I want to say 40 million, something like that, or maybe it was 25 million. I, I just remember it was a, a fraction of the New York Yankees whose payroll was $125 million. And the, the whole thing is, how do you win when you're playing in an inherently unfair playing field? And it makes, obviously, great material for people like myself who teach and train in the areas of sales, management, leadership, organizational development, those kinds of things. But I just love the book. I love the movie. It was just it, uh, the applications came along later. But as it points out, back in 2003, uh, Moneyball was all the rage. And, and of course, not everyone is a fan in Major League Baseball. But the question was, how does a little guy take on a big guy and win? How do you how do you trump a competitor that has a budget twice the size of yours? And uh, if you're playing in, in business and someone has more resources, more people, whatever the case may be, how, how do you compete? In fact, I would suggest to you that part of the idea for the book that I wrote, my sales book, which is called Quit Whining and Start Selling, was influenced by this particular movie. Just the whole idea that just because you're a huge underdog does not does not necessarily mean that you don't have the capacity to find ways to win. 
In fact, that might be a great topic for TA as well, having been on the America's Cup. I don't, I don't know what his circumstances are there, but perhaps that's similar as well. I know that when the United States went into the World Cup this year, they were in the group of death. You know, how in the world were they expected to w- even win a game, much less move on out of the group? And they did just exactly that. It, it's, just, it's just an interesting topic. But the thing about it is, now everybody's doing it. So that's the whole idea behind the movie is that the quote, quoting here, the emotional through line of Moneyball is being as learning from his experience as a failed prospect and applying it to today's game. The idea is this, scouts were wrong about him and therefore they'll be wrong about tons of guys, only trust the numbers. He goes on to say that was an oversimplification, but that, that's the gist of the idea. So the, the thing about it is now everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting involved, and you know whether it's the Boston Red Sox who won a couple of World Series now, or other teams. You find other teams are beginning to copy the idea. Very few organizations, if any, don't have a numbers guy in their front office, somebody paying attention to the same things that uh, Billy Bean talked about and used to his advantage. So they're doing something different now. If you're a baseball fan and paying attention, they still have a payroll that's. Uh, way less than everybody else's. Uh, if I recall correctly, I think their payroll this year is $80 million. And there are at least two and perhaps three teams that are north of $200 million in payroll. They're still inherently playing in an uneven playing field. So how does that work? And that is the topic of, of this particular article. And here it is. First, how have the A's done it? He says, well, new tricks. Let's look at the three takeaways uh, that we take out of this. First, don't spend a lot on a little, spend a little on a lot. Uh, and that's the idea here is that now they're, they're bringing in lots of people. Not only are they bringing in players that may not be at the top of the heap in terms of payroll or recognition or those kinds of things, but they're bringing in as many guys as possible just to see who can perform. And they're looking for something that nobody else sees. But they put a lot of people on the field, pit them against each other, and they're open to see who emerges. So, quoting again from the article, when Sean Doolittle faltered as a hitting prospect thanks to injuries, they tried him on the mound. Now he's one of the best relievers in the game. Quite different. Brandon Moss bounced around the league for years before serving as a terrific platoon hitter at first base. Josh Donaldson was a prospect. Way past his expiration date, the A's mostly as a matter of throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks were the ones who benefited when he exploded into an MVP, MVP candidate. So, they, I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like anything special, but it is a completely different approach to the game, especially if you take the standard baseball truisms to heart. The second big takeaway is to focus on what your employees can do, not what they can do. Quoting again from the article now, the A's do one thing more than any other team. They platoon. They use a lot of players to give them the best opportunity to do what they do best. Quote, most teams would look at players like A's catcher John Jaso or Derek Norris and lament how badly they struggle against pitchers who throw from the same side of the plate that they hit from. This is seen as a liability. Being in the A's, see it as a potential strength thanks to platooning. They can send a left-handed batter to the plate to face a right-handed pitcher and get a favorable matchup. Well, a lot of teams do that. But the A's do it more than anyone. Oakland has 12 players with more than 100 at-bats this season already, which is fairly spectacular. And then number three, third, if you can't change the game, let it change on its own. So 
In late June, there are probably only three teams, the Cubs, the Astros, and the Diamondbacks, who've already given up on the season. Thanks to revenue sharing and the sheer amount of money in the game, teams that used to wave goodbye to their best players when their contracts were up now get to keep them. So they're saying that things are changing within the dynamics of the game that they're beginning to take advantage of. After all, that annual payroll that the A's have, the one that's among the six lowest in baseball, quoting from the article again, it's still more than $80 million, which is the highest in the history of the franchise. So they have been able to sign a couple of good players that would have been too pricey for them. So they are changing somewhat to fit the components of the game, but the upshot is they're still winning. What I take away from this is very simple. Too many times people blame circumstances and the things that are going on around them for the reasons that they're losing. And people consistently find ways to win. They consistently look at the game differently, look at business differently, look at the marketplace differently, look at their product mix differently. And if there's anything that fits tremendously well in the business locker room, it's the application of sports analogies. And this is certainly one of them. You can play in a playing field or on a playing field that's unfair. But the answers are not always obvious. Something to take away from this particular article. And I will continue to keep track of those guys because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the idea of, of David slaying Goliath, especially when it comes to sports and especially in business. Hey, we're going to take our first time out. We're going to come back on the other side of the break. And we'll be joined by T.A. McCann. We'll talk about these things. We'll talk about startups, and we'll talk about creating the right kinds of teams. Thanks to Michael Sergit. He's on the other side of the glass making us sound good today. We're going to come back, and we'll talk with T.A. And Miles Austin will join us later. Thanks for listening. This is the Business Locker Room on Voice America. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Hey, welcome back. This is the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs, your host. 
Check us out, bizlockerroom.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs, and, of course, all the other usual suspects in terms of social media. You can track those down on the web. But send me an email, comments, or even suggestions for guests, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Next week, fantastic show online next week. Can't wait to talk with John Spence. He is the author of Awesomely Simple and a very successful uh, consultant and quite a business resume in his own right. So looking forward to that. Mark your calendar every Monday, 3 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock on the East Coast. Join us here in the business locker room. We take the time and the opportunity to visit with T.A. McCann. He joins me in the business locker room. We're going to talk marketing and competitive intelligence and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. He is the founder of Rival IQ, Gist.com before that and currently is involved with a number of startup ventures as an angel investor and, uh, more importantly, a fairly successful athlete in his own right. So a great fit for the business locker room. T.A., great to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Kelly. Hey, uh, before we get started, I am really interested in the America's Cup experience. So if you were giving me the um, the Reader's Digest version, the two-page uh, summary well, tell me about that. Tell me about getting involved in that. And, and, um, and I know that you were in one World Cup that you won and another that you lost. So I, I'm sure you've experienced the range of emotions. But talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I spent most of the 90s uh, after college as a professional sailor and uh, was lucky enough to be part of the 92 America's Cup team uh, named America Cube where we, where we won the America's Cup. Uh, in between that, I did a round-the-world sailing race and then came back and sailed the 95 America's Cup with Dennis Connor where – uh, we lost to the to the New Zealand team, so and then I spent about the next five years uh, professionally sailing for all kinds of different owners around the world. I mean, this uh, next question in in the technical side of things, not just uh, you know what does it take to win, but what does it take? I mean, what do you have to accomplish in order to win? Is it is it a single? I, I must confess complete ignorance with regards to sailing, uh, as you might expect from a guy from Oklahoma, TA, but. Uh, what does it take to, is it a single race, a series of races? How, how does all of that break down? Yeah, the America's Cup is what's called a match racing series. So it's actually a little bit like the, like the World Cup, where you have a variety of different teams, and they, they sail head-to-head uh, or a match race against each other in a process of elimination. And the America's Cup itself it ends up being the country that has the cup or is defending the cup against a challenger or the person who, sort of the team that made its way through the challenging series. So it's a, it's a match race that happens every three, four, five years, depending on uh, how the venue moves around and who may have, uh, who may have won it. Uh, so in basketball parlance on the, on the playground, we call that make it, take it, right? You, you win, you get to keep the court and play the next player up. Exactly right. So Larry Ellison and the team from uh, BMW Oracle won the last one uh, in San Francisco last year, and now they're in the process of deciding where they're going to have the next America's Cup. And in fact, once you, have, once you win, you get to have a fairly significant say on, on the rules of the game. So what boats are going to sail, what the format of the regatta is going to be, uh, and a variety of other sort of rule changes. So you, in some ways, you can sort of stack the deck a little bit in your favor once you, once you have it. My very first acquaintance who is a professional sailor. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Let's talk, let's talk about more about the startup ventures that you've been involved in. Is that pursuant to your, your sailing career or were you, were you doing entrepreneurial work at the same time? Well, a little bit of both. So I, I, I'm a mechanical engineer and so I was always involved, uh, even while I was on the sailing side, on 
a little bit more on the technology side. So in, in high-performance sailing, just like in high-performance auto racing, the, the ability to create speed advantage in the sailboat or the car all of a sudden gives you a huge advantage uh, when you actually get on the race course. And so what ends up happening is in car racing and or uh, sailing is you spend a lot of time investing time with engineers to, tra- to try to create a speed advantage or a technological advantage, whether that be your, you know, your tires or your foils or your sails or your mast, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And in, in many ways, that's similar to doing a startup. And I was involved with that side of the business uh, for sailing. And then in the mid-90s, I, I became really interested in what was happening with the internet. And I started a, a couple of companies in and around the internet space while I was still sailing. And then I'd say by the late 90s, early 2000s, I had really made a, a full transition into you know, software and, and technology-based startups. T.A. McCann is our guest. He's the founder of Rival IQ, which Miles Austin and I previewed in an X's and O's segment several weeks ago. Also the founder of Gist.com, T.A. Gist.com, de- described as a social address book, and I know you sold that to BlackBerry, but talk a little bit about that product and where that's led you. Yeah, so just just really started off on the, the the mission of saying if you're going to be a relationship-centric salesperson, you really want to know a lot about the person on the other end of the phone, so to speak. And yet all of our identities are spread out all over the place at this point. You know, we have a Facebook, a Twitter, a LinkedIn, et cetera. And what GIST really attempted to do was connect it to your inbox. It basically created a profile for everyone you email with or everyone you meet with. And then it went out to the web and it stitched together all of their social profiles it gra- grabbed blog posts they were mentioned in or news articles they were mentioned in. And so before every meeting, you'd effectively have this sort of full understanding of the person you're interacting with. And it also monitored that on a day-to-day basis so that you know every day you could start your day and say something like, well, who in my professional network is in the news today? And that may oftentimes give you an opportunity to reach out and say congratulations or I noticed a change in your business. Uh, and so that product... Uh, was really focused at relationship-centric professionals, oftentimes salespeople, marketing people, PR people. Um, and it performed a lot of things that people would do manually, automatically. Well, congratulations. I think every entrepreneur or TA looks to find themselves in your circumstance where they create a company and wind up divesting themselves of that uh, you know, to a larger company, meaning clearly you uh, did very well with that along the way in, in, in some respect. I, I don't know particularly, but I mean, everybody wants to get there. They want to start something, grow it up, sell it off, and, and then turn around and do it again, which you have done over and over. And I first became acquainted with you through Miles Austin and Rival IQ, which is just an absolutely phenomenal product in terms of creating competitive intelligence. So what, what kind of led you down that path? Well, you'll see some parallels or similarities between Rival IQ and, and GIST. And just for your listeners, what GIST, uh, sorry, what Rival IQ does is it's really focused at active online marketers who want to understand their competitors and what's working well for them. So here's where you see the similarities. You give us your, you know, your company and one, two, three, four, five of your competitors. All you have to do is enter their URLs for their homepage. What we do is then go discover those companies, their web presence, their search presence, them on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Google+, Plus, Pint, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And then we'll bring in all of their statistics for all of those social networks and then rank them. So you'll know exactly how well your competitors are doing on any one of those different, different marketing channels. And so you'll see similarities to GIST in the sense that we wanted to automate 
a thing that good marketers or good salespeople often did by hand. We wanted to automate that and add a level of intelligence to it so that in this case, marketers could really have a much deeper understanding of what's working and what's changing relative to their competitors. So if I'm a marketer and I'm hearkening back to the days pre-social media, clearly I'm doing competitive intelligence gathering. I'm looking at products offered. I'm looking at services. I'm looking at marketing. I'm looking at the amount of penetration they have in various geographies, the number of salespeople they have, channels of distribution, all of those kinds of things. But when you jump over into the social media side, you start compiling statistics of how people are doing on Twitter and Google and LinkedIn and those kinds of things. What's the value of that? Well, you can see that most most companies are shifting uh, a portion of their you know their spend or their effort toward online and within that social online, uh, mostly because it's effective and especially cost effective in terms of getting a lot of interaction. And depending on the kind of company you are, uh, whether you're B two B or B two C, you're interested in one channel or another because it can drive sort of awareness of your company and or it can drive direct leads and. The reason that everybody is moving in that direction is because the scale and the speed and the cost at which you can drive that awareness and leads is much, just much, much more effective. And in, in a strange way, it feels like 1995 to 2000 all over again, where people were making the shift from offline to online, really starting to leverage the web. And social is sort of the next phase of all of that from a, from a marketer's perspective. And so it really is a cost-effective channel by which companies can effectively gain awareness and or generate direct leads uh, via a variety of these different online channels, whether it be web, search, or social. I'm joined by T.A. McCann. He's the founder of RivalIQ.com, and we're talking about competitive intelligence, which is exactly what that tool is all about. You know, there's, there's much more depth to that tool as well, T.A. Not only does it tell me how I stack up against my competitors, but it can also give me a real sense of what types of marketing and which types of channels are drawing the most response and enable me to respond very quickly to what my competitors are doing. Exactly. So we, on behalf of, you know, with the product, we basically go and pull all of the social content for all of your competitors. And then we rank that content based on what we call engagement. So engagement on Twitter would be things like favoriting or retweeting. And therefore, you can say for all of these companies and number of companies, what content is getting the highest amount of engagement? And from that, you can either choose to use more of your own content in that direction or jump into part of that conversation. I can clearly see the opportunities there for entrepreneurs and small business owners, certainly large companies who benefit dramatically. Is there any sense in which the application can be made for an individual salesperson, as an example? Well, for for sales, you, you want to have a sense of what what is working? What companies are talking about what particular things to get a sense of how they're positioning themselves? I mean, Rival IQ does a good job of going and grabbing all the descriptions for a set of companies. In this case, it may be prospects or it may be competitors to a prospect. And using that to understand how they describe themselves. What does their meta description say? What does their title tag say? How do they describe themselves on all their different social networks? And then we monitor that on a day-to-day basis for changes. So if you're a salesperson and all of a sudden one of your competitors chooses or one of your prospects chooses to change the way they describe themselves in their meta description or any of their other descriptions, or they change their pricing page or they change their homepage, we alert you about those kinds of things. So it may be uh, a sales trigger. It may be a change in direction for a collection of companies uh, or just using those kind of keywords to make sure that you're using the right vernacular when you're selling into a particular prospect. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I see direct application there. Clearly, if you're sitting in front of a prospect that's fully qualified and, and you're wanting to differentiate yourself from others, it, it helps to know exactly where they are in the market space and if they've had recent changes. Some of those changes uh, can be quite substantial if we're talking about price increases or change in content, marketing strategy, those kinds of things. Those, those, can, be, those can be real significant events. Exactly. And the fact that Rival IQ basically does all this work in the background so you can set it up and just sort of leave it, set it and forget it, and we'll alert you to these major changes. So you might want to sort of, they'll just come via email. So-and-so just changed this, so-and-so just changed that, so-and-so had a breakout post, which was getting, got a lot more engagement than normal, et cetera. So you can set it and forget it from a salesperson's perspective and use it as, uh, use it as just more market intelligence. Hey, we need to take our second time out. Thanks for joining us, everyone. T.A. McCann is our guest here in the Business Locker Room. I want to direct you to his website, tamccann.com, and that is spelled M-C-C-A-N-N.com, T.A. McCann. And you'll find him on Twitter, at T.A. McCann. Also, make sure you look at rivaliq.com. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the kinds of teams that it takes to be successful in the startup realm. Startup's a whole different level of, of business in a lot of ways, getting out of the chute as opposed to walking into something that's fully developed and, and making changes there. So we'll come back on the other side with TA. We'll talk about those things. Thanks for listening to the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. www.bizlockerroom.com Coming up in the next segment, Miles Austin will join us. We'll talk about Zapier. They had no idea what Zapier was. And then Miles said, Dan, we're also going to talk about a second tool that's very similar, IFTTT. That one I'm familiar with. And we'll compare those two. And Miles will give us the heads up on 
how to use those and what they can mean in terms of productivity for, for you as an individual and as a company. But now we're joined uh, by T.A. McCann continuing our conversation. T.A., of course, is the founder of Rival IQ, and we've talked at length about that. But, uh, T.A., I want to talk a little bit about a blog post that you had up re- recently on your site entitled, Your Best Team is a Blend of Fit, Skills, and Domain Expertise in that order, and, and you, you talk about just fit skills and experience, fit skills and experience, and that's, you know, it, it, to me as a guy who, who does what I do as a consultant on a regular basis, uh, that's exactly the way I look at it as well, but it's not always common sense. Why do you start with fit first? Well, I think, you know, if you're going to do a startup, and probably any company for that matter, I mean, seeing the world in a similar way is so important. It just colors the way that you make decisions how you interact with everyone, what your motivations are. And depending on, you know, as you understand everyone's sort of motivations, how they want to treat each other, et cetera, what do they think success looks like? And, you know, a lot of companies that build like, hey, it's really, it's a fun company. And other ones think it's a profitable company. And some of them think it's a successful company or some of them think it's a company that everyone knows about. And all of those are, are fine and they're all different measures of success. But if you find a team that is, all focused, uh, you know, half the team is focused on making someone that all their friends know about and all the rest of the team is focused on something that's just really cool piece of engineering, you're going to end up having a lot of arguments and or uh, division in what you're trying to do. So finding the fit, which is who are the kind of people you want to go into a foxhole with? I mean, using the sports analogies of which, uh, you know, with my sailing background, I felt a lot of who are the guys you want to sail around the world with? Who do you want to wake up with in the morning and say, wow, there's 27 icebergs around here, and I'm glad I'm here with you guys looking after me. <laughs> Absolutely right. You, you know, this, And there's nothing like that kind of stress to really f- ferret out who is a part of the team and who isn't. Because typically when you get into that situation, uh, you know, if you don't have the right people, it's, it's going to get ugly in a hurry. You actually reference in the blog post Bart Lorraine, who is, of course, the CEO at Full Contact. And you sit on the board at Full Contact. But he, you said he talks about that in a post that he uh, talks about paid, paid vacation. What is that idea, and how does it fit into this, this whole concept of values first? Right. So Bart, uh, Bart's a CEO that I really respect, and I'm enjoying working with those guys. And this, the post paid, paid vacation specifically talks about the, va- the values that they see and he sees specifically as a CEO in taking time off from work. And a lot of us go off work and you still carry your email, you check your email in the morning or something like that, uh, even while you're on vacation. But there at Full Contact, they believe like when you go on vacation, you should go on vacation. And so the stipulations of paid, paid vacation are A, you get paid vacation. Well, everyone does that. But they also pay you, meaning they give you a stipend to pay for that vacation as long as it's longer than I think 10 days and maybe two weeks and that you don't check email and don't do any work during that entire vacation. We, you, you, you may have just single-handedly created a run of job applicants. They have, they have so many people who apply for it. Now, what's interesting is if you're looking, there's a, a whole set of people who go and apply for working at Full Contact because they think, oh, I want a paid vacation. Of I course. want a couple <laughs> of thousand dollars, which is actually the wrong motivation. And the motivation is to say we care about our people and we care about our people in this way. And we work so hard that when we take time off, we really want to uh, make sure that you disconnect because he also believes that by disconnecting and getting some distance from the business, you oftentimes create perspective that you wouldn't otherwise have when sure. you're still in the day-to-day. So it's, it's one of those where 
it's a, uh, it's a clear program that demonstrates many of the aspects of what Bart and his team think are important about building a team, about building a team and building a company. And that all fits, it all fits into the category of fit has nothing to do with what they do or how they do it uh, internally, uh, but the type of fit and the type of people uh, that they want in the company. Sure. So you're not only looking for people who are good at what they do, but first and foremost, you want people who who buy into the kind of people we are, the way we do things. But you go on in the post to talk about, especially at Rival IQ, you define what those things are using short phrases or value ideas about exactly the kind of people that you're looking for. How, How does that process take place? Well, I think as a founding team, I mean, if you're if you're by yourself as a uh, as a CEO or a founder, and you're looking for that co-founding team, I mean, I- identifying the types of things that you find valuable, identifying questions that you can ask someone that you'll effectively get kind of a binary answer. Would you rather work at this company or this company? Would you rather have created this company or that company? And you're really trying to sort of ascertain what are the things that, that really get people jazzed and what things they don't like. Uh, and what things they've learned from previous experiences. And we all have different sort of makeups. What you want to do is find the kind of people that have a makeup similar to yours. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Just a quick story. Anecdotally, it was with a client today, and we went through this exact same scenario recently with them having to find what their values were and the kind of people they want to be and the kind of teammates they want. Uh, they have rapidly identified a couple of people who just simply do not fit. And it was the actually the, the pressure of the team itself, the employees that said, these are not our kinds of people. And, and uh, sadly, uh, for the individuals, but out they went. But it, it, you know, it makes for a better company when everybody's rowing in the same direction. Yeah, I mean, you can use, you can use sim- simple things like, I mean, are you, are you kind of trying to create the kind of company where everybody goes and has beers after work or everybody goes home and looks after their family after work and gets back online at night? Are you the kind of company that that you expect people to check email, you know, all the time, or you don't expect them to check email. There's not a right answer to that. They're just different. And, and finding the things that are, that align to the founding team and continuing to check that on a regular basis, which I would consider sort of quarterly. Are we living this? And can we give examples of it when great people walk in the door? Can you ask them three, four, five, seven questions they're really good at the fact of, are they going to fit in this company by primarily using specific examples or choices like would you like A or would you like B if given the same choice? You know, absolutely. Well, it, it leads you TA to one of the real challenges in business, and that is what do you do with a top performer, perhaps even an exemplary performer, who for some reason or another has filtered their way through and is in the company but clearly does not fit. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question, and I've experienced it, it personally. Uh, we had a little uh, of this situation at GIST. And uh, I, I now look back on it, and I should have dealt with that more quickly, um, and I didn't. I let, the, I let the performance outweigh the fit component, and ultimately it poisoned two or three other people that were a good fit, that were, that were good performers, that ultimately didn't do their sort, of, uh, their sort of best work. So I think the answer to your question is, is giving the, the, the person a specific set of examples of what they're doing that doesn't fit that culture, and they're either going to, you know, make a change to fit that kind of culture, which is generally unlikely. You know, most people's kind of, by the time they get to our, you know, toward 20s, 30s, 40s, you've effectively sort of set what your makeup is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change who I am and I'm going to interact in different ways. And I just wasn't aware of it. Sometimes people aren't aware of it. Sure. But 
to the extent that they're aware of it, and then they're saying, no, this is the way I think it, then, then your best job is to, is to really help that person find another place where they fit. And not just to necessarily fire them, because they're often, oftentimes good, is to help them find a place where their particular view on the world is, is a much better alignment with others. Yeah, tough process. You know, most managers are so underwater with, with fighting fires and, and moving the company forward, especially in a startup venture, really difficult to deal with some of those uh, people issues. Well, I would I would argue that your that that the amount of time that you spend dealing with that the the bad person issue is in fact so distracting from the overall company direction that it's better to just sort of remove that as early as possible. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's, you just find it. I, I find it personally in my experience. Many managers find that tough. They I frequently hear the you know, the sort of truism they expected. It is a truism. I don't think it is, but they'll say, you know, I, the, 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 the bad problem I have is, the, and I know about is better than the one I don't know about. I, I just think that's a, a real cop-out and especially pre, particularly lazy when it comes to creating a great team. Well, I would argue that, that most people who are at a manager level have experienced both the people who are amazing that, that, that really see the world in a similar way and people who don't. And I would encourage a founding team to develop, again, two or three, four or five questions that, that are not the, what kind of work environment do you want? Because those are too soft. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's much more like, would you rather A or B? In this situation, would you choose A or B? In this situation, would you have done X or Y? And the more of that you can get and say, for the people who answer A, X, and B, those are the kind of people we want. And, and screening them out relatively early in the process uh, of the of the recruiting and or using the kinds of situations that you are having on a day-to-day basis to screen people in or out. Obviously, a company tends to sit on a continuum mm-hmm. where there's some people who fit really well and some people who fit modestly well and some people who don't fit at much at all. I think it's ultimately the modest fit which is the most difficult to sort of draw the line against. Yeah, it's a great observation. Hey, I appreciate you joining us. I've only got about 60 seconds, but before we get away, I do want to ask you about mind mapping. You're a fan of that. I see it in one of your blog posts as well. Tell me how that's been a, a useful tool for you, how you use it in startup ventures. Yeah, so I have, I have a framework that I use to develop almost all my ideas, which is really customer value proposition, feature set, and business model. And I tend to use a mind map to add in lots and lots of different ideas and reorganize those ideas around those four sort of pillars. And then from that, you can develop effectively a pretty quick pitch. And so from that, you know, you end up with lots and lots of different data that's easy to sort of continue to summarize more toward the center of a mind map. And I think I described that pretty well in the blog post. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. We're I'm making plans with Austin down the road, and I know he's coming in on the other side. We're making plans to review mind mapping products. I, I I just see such value, especially for people who are like me who need to see things and need to organize things visually. It makes a lot of sense. TA, so so much good stuff today. Great content. Thanks for being a part of the business locker room. Been great to have you. Absolutely. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it very much. And we're going to take our final time out. Come back with Mr. Austin. We're going to talk X's and O's. It's brought to you by 4D Sales. And I'll introduce them as our prime sponsor and partner in the X's and O's segment. When we come back, stay with us. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, 
Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs, thanks to T.A. McCann for joining us in our previous segment. Make sure you find RivalIQ.com and look at that tool. See how it can benefit your particular business. It is going to give you an edge. This is the show with compelling conversations like that one and useful content like what we're going to get from Mr. Miles Austin in just a few minutes. Things that you can use to improve your business today. Next week in the Business Locker Room, you want to make sure you join us. John Spence. Find him online. JohnSpence.com. Author of Awesomely Simple. Should be a fantastic conversation. And the week after that, a gentleman by the name of Charles Green. He is the author of The Trusted Advisor. Very, very well known in his circles. And just a fantastic conversation we'll have about the idea of trust in the business place, in the marketplace, and why it is so important. We mentioned uh, the X's and O's segment. It's made possible by our very good friends over at 4D Sales. Thanks to Brian Carpenter and the crew. 4D Sales conceived uh, about four years, two years ago, rather, 2012, I think it was. Three founders. They got together. These guys have sales backgrounds, sales management expertise, and they tried to find a way to leverage the technology that is available today in a tablet-based sales tool and use it to create a way to do sales presentations much more effectively. Very interactive, visually appealing, and can be used anywhere, anytime with all of the materials that you need at your fingertips. Things like price lists, brochures, PDFs, slide decks, web pages, videos, things like that, all together. Imagine every one of your salespeople with the latest and greatest pieces of every piece of collateral material that you need, including those slide deck slides and videos, without having to navigate all over the place. What a fantastic tool to create consistency and to have everything available and highly interactive. You can find that tool at 4dsales.com. They make the X's and O's segment possible. And today, Miles, we talk about Zapier and IFTTT. Give me the sort of overview of what these two tools do, and then we'll break them down. You bet. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here. And I, you know, I think the truth is we're using both of these tools because they're they do virtually the same things. They just each take a little bit of a different approach. But think about these tools as the Swiss Army knife for the web. Um, it's one of those tools you're going to constantly come back to. 
Uh, it's used primarily, in my examples anyway, to automate those mindless, tedious tasks that you just get bogged down to sometimes in your day-to-day workflow. So it's the ability, like that Swiss Army knife, you just kind of keep it in your back pocket. It's always there. It's already working for you, 7 by 24. And there's some really powerful things. If you already know what you want to do, these two tools will help you do it automatically once you set it up with no further involvement. Give me an example. I'm not really sure I'm following you in terms of what what kinds of process. Give me an example of something I could automate. Sure. Well, I mean, look, I would just ask the question like this. How many of us have um, a challenge on a day-to-day basis with our email box? There's so much information coming in, right? So as an example, I've learned over the years that when I get an email that comes in to me and it has an attachment, it means two things. They probably know me fairly well, and there's something that's going to take some time to read. So I have a Zap in my case. I use Zapier just on a personal level, usually more than IFTT, even though I use them both. But I'll take what's called a Zap or a recipe, if you will, in IFTTT or if this, then that. And I'll create it so that when I get an email that comes into my email box, it'll sense and find that it has an attachment. If it has an attachment, it's going to send that attachment one of two different places. Over, If it's an image, it'll send it to my Dropbox account. If it's a, um, a file like a spreadsheet or a Word doc or a contract of some type, it senses those extensions, and it'll send it over to, Kelly, you won't be surprised to hear this, send it over to my Evernote account mm-hmm. in a specific folder for those documents that I need to read later on, usually for, my, for me in my day in the evenings. And that way I'm not getting caught up in my email during the day. Well, that's pretty fantastic. I had no idea that it could look at an email, sense that it's a certain type of image, and go put it automatically in Dropbox. I would have thought I would have to do that, you know, drag and drop it myself. But you're saying I can actually automate that whole process. Absolutely. And I think, you know, where where if this, then that uh, really um, does an excellent job is it's that concept of this recipe. As I said, it's it's a challenge. Either one of these tools would be very frustrating for you if you don't know what it is you'd like to automate, right? In other words, if if I don't know that I'd really be much better off taking those attachments and putting over to Evernote, then it's going to be a waste of time. It'll be very confusing because um, uh, if this, then that, or Zapier have a hundred to two hundred different applications out there that you have the ability to connect and automate. Well, that's pretty fantastic. You know, before T.A. McCann signed off, he knew that we were going to be reviewing these products, and he mentioned that he's a big IFTTT user uh, just for that. He said he had twenty-five different processes that he automates, and I can see now what you're getting at. You, you don't you don't get this app and then decide to do some things. You recognize in your, your daily work habits that there are some things you do over and over and over that would really go better if someone did it for you, and then you can find a tool that can do it, and that, that happens to be Zapier and IFTTT. Absolutely. I'll use another example. is When I'm out and I meet someone um, at an event, let's say, or I, and I get an email from them, uh, or I make a contact with someone I would like, when I once I add them to my contact database or to my Outlook contact list, if nothing else, 
I want to automatically, without any further intervention by my own, on my own, to send them a LinkedIn invitation. Once you set that up to say, once there's a new contact added to my list, send them, go find them and send them an automate, you know, an automatic invitation to LinkedIn. So, you know, there's a lot of these ways. I mean, just a few of these things. You can, you know, we talked about automating your inbox. You can automate time management. Project management has a ton of capabilities. File management, backing up your work, the ability to set things on certain triggers that when this happens, I automatically make a backup of my work. All of the social media platforms, the ability to say that when Kelly, when when you have a post that you post on your blog and I find that in my email box, I can set it up so it automatically will send a link to that post out to my Twitter followers. I tell you, that's pretty spectacular when you think about it. So, so basically, what it just boils down to this: when this happens, I want the 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 application to do this for me. And so, I looked over at, uh, for instance, on Zapier, and they're talking about the the variety of of apps that are can be integrated into this. I mean, it, it's staggering. You know, from your email to Dropbox to Facebook to Twitter. Uh, RSS feeds, Dropbox and Box accounts, I mentioned them, Evernote, you mentioned, even WordPress blogs and on and on. I mean, it's pretty substantial. It really is, Kelly. And I, let me use an example. When My very first job as I got out of college and I was going into business, uh, my very first boss was a, a guy, God rest his soul, Rex Halleck uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. And Rex sat down with me and he says, Miles, I want you to spend the first two weeks following my pros, and he gave me the names of the people I was supposed to shadow. He says, all I want you to do is have your notebook and start to write down the things that they're doing in their day so that you know what steps to do on your own. And he said later on, he said, now, Miles, I think about, and this is way before the internet was around, right? Mm-hmm. He said, now, the, the peaks of your success will be how much of this you can do in an automated, method, uh, methodical way without spending a lot of time to think about each one of those steps. And I'm thinking back now to good old Rex Halleck, thinking, Rex, if you knew what you could now do with Zapier or if this, then that, that dream of having an automated, programmable robot to do all of those things that we need to do in our business and our personal lives, what a dream that would be for him and for most of us in business. Boy, no question about it. By the way, speaking of T.A. McCann, I noticed one of the uh, apps that are supported by Zapier is Full Contact, and uh, he has an association with them being on their board. Just so many different things. Folks, you hear me say this every week. If you're not following Miles Austin, if you're not reading his blog, fillthefunnel.com, if you're not on Twitter and he's uh, in your Twitter feed that you're reading every day, if that's not happening, you're making a huge mistake. Find him at Miles Austin and fillthefunnel.com, always with great, great ideas and great tools for us to use. I, I can assure you, Miles, I'll be taking a very close look at this one. This, this, this has got so much potential. And I, my last question, just about 30 seconds before we were out, uh, do you prefer one of the other? Do, do you give the nod to one or the other? Uh, Again, they're both very, very capable. I personally like Zapier because for me, the interface was just a little bit more comfortable. It was a little bit less intimidating. 
for me, and I know many other people, uh, T.A. McCann mentioned he uses if this, then that. A lot of people prefer that. It's just one or the other. Um, I would tell you, uh, Kelly, that if you want, I'll give you a link after the show. You can put in the show notes. If people would like to get a list of 101 ways to use something like Zapier, I've got a list of 101 different examples of ways you can do it. Um, I'll put the link, Kelly, I'll give it to you, and you can put it in the show notes after the show. Hey, do that, and I'll also fire it out on Twitter because you need to be following both me and Miles so that you can keep up with these kinds of notes. We'll throw that out there. Miles, great as always. I know you're still struggling a little bit with allergies in your voice, but thanks for joining us. Glad to do it, Kelly. It's always great. Super stuff. I'm telling you, I can't wait to dig into the middle of Zapier and if this, then that. And uh, to, to look at both of those and see how they're working. But I, I think I know where he gets a lot of his ideas for tools. There's 300 apps listed here on Zapier, and I haven't heard of but roughly 20 or 30 percent of them. I, I'm wondering if Miles just goes on this page to get new ideas about tools. All kinds of good stuff there. It's available. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. And uh, it's just been fantastic. It always goes way, way too fast. But I can assure you, uh, it is it, it is always a pleasure to talk to these guys. Thanks to T.A. McCann for joining us. Find him online at tamccann.com and also milesaustinfillthefunnel.com. That's going to wrap up our show. I'll see you next week. We'll be joined by John Spence of awesomelysimple.com if you want to do a little homework on the front side. Thanks to Michael Surgit. He's our engineer and also to Brandy Jackson. She produces our show and they both make us sound fantastic. We're looking forward to seeing you again next week for another edition, another version of the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.